1: It's Lifeline with Jesse Gastand. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastand. Yes, indeed, in the house one more time on this coveted Monday evening. 505 on your clock, your radio, your watch, your cell phone, or uh, whatever other gadgets you may have that keeps time, Jesse Gistand in the house keeping your company for the next two hours. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I hope your turkey day was good, Mine's was excellent, and then we had some post-turkey fellowship uh, the next couple of days. And then I had some leftovers on Sunday, and yes, indeed, just a couple of hours ago before I headed off to the studio, and therefore am feeling quite well, quite well. I trust you are also well as well again the monday edition of lifeline 506 this is the monday edition of lifeline tuesday wednesday thursday friday will be heading towards us and i guess you'll be engaging in topics and discussions with uh with one craig roberts over the issues and the uh political events that are um, swirling around us these days and um, I don't know. I, I've been raised. I've, I've had this question raised several times, and I thought I'd broach it with you just to see what you thought about it. Um, someone asked me for like the umpteenth time recently, what do I think of all these allegations of sexual harassment and assault, et cetera, on women and and what their massive exposure Seemingly is all about uh, the, uh, the idea behind the questions that were given to me, because, uh, you know, if you have a pastor who also has the the, the, the privilege of being able to talk to people at large about political social historical issues, then you really want to kind of get his insight into it, if nothing more than from a biblical perspective, a kind of prophetic perspective a, a an edge if you will, through a Christian prism about some of this stuff, and I thought about it it uh, was real sharp with most of the people that asked me, but recently, having been exposed to more frequently. Sort of an avalanche, if you will, an avalanche of disclosure, discovery, uh, repeated um, news accounts of uh, different persons uh, coming to the forefront or at least being um, alleged to have engaged in uh, groping or, uh, sexual harassment or some bizarre, uh, inappropriate expression towards women or children, uh, et cetera. And I said, okay, okay, let me look at this in the same way in which we ultimately had to look at what took place with, uh, the kneeling of Colin Ka- Kaepernick, uh, the former 49er quarterback with his protestation, uh, against our government's, um, abuse of uh, of African-American males, maybe females, et cetera, the African-American community, which hasn't gone away either. It definitely hasn't gone away, um, although the uh, NFL has begun to work around it and through it, I guess. But in the same way that that took off and sustained uh, plausible consideration for many months, even breaking out into uh, larger uh, group expressions, so now has the whole issue of uh, women being abused and women being groped and women being um, disrespected. Um, And this, 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 this thing of misogyny and, and uh, disregard for our our females, our female species, our, our women uh, is, it's not new. There's nothing new about this for those of us who've lived a few years in life, but what is new uh, and this is a trend I think is starting to develop, and it's worth our consideration because the Lord Jesus Christ, not only did he say in John fourteen six 6b, I am the truth, I am the truth, and we've been working through that at Grace, as Christ is the way, the path, the course, the process, the means the instrumental mechanism by which God the Father brings people to know God in the truth. It can't be done apart from Christ. Christ is the truth as well. He has plainly said, Ego, I, me, he Aletheia is the term in the Greek, Aletheia, and it's a word that means to be the unvarnished, disclosed reality of all that represents God. Christ is that. A major, major, major concept of truth that fundamentally disregards every other uh, assertion of what might be considered truth or the way to truth or the way to God. Christ plainly lets his disciples know he is the truth. Now, what the truth is, is the exact representation of the thing for which it represents without deviation at any point. That's who Christ is, the revelation of the invisible God. He is the express image of his nature so that in order to see the invisible God in any kind of comprehensible way, you must know Jesus Christ. This truth whom Jesus is is also a revelation that cannot be hid. That's what the term aletheia means, disclosed, something that cannot be hid, something that will not ultimately stay obscure, stay suppressed, stay covered over. And isn't that what the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen? Doesn't the Bible plainly say that which is spoken in secret will be made known abroad, that which is done in the dark will come out to the light. Isn't that what our master was saying to the disciples about walking in the light and being sure that everything will ultimately be brought to the day? This is why the Bible speaks of a day of revelation and righteous judgment of God, where the things that are done in our world now, uh, men may appear to have gotten away with because we live in a context of gross darkness in our world. As I was teaching us yesterday, that light has to penetrate and and, and and break through the darkness as darkness labors to suppress the light labors to suppress the light and historically that has been the case on a number of levels has it not and one of the things that our society is dealing with now, which is what I'm getting at by responding to the question, what do you think, Pastor, is going on with the exposure of all these different parties relative to this trend of behavior of just men acting so utterly unseemly towards towards women that, it's, that, that the women are just speaking out everywhere? Well, first and foremost, um, the facts are coming to the surface in the way in which they're coming. Um, about a hyper, I, I'm, I'm considering because of my own experience and, and awareness of how co- cultures work and politics work, we, we've had a hyper patriarchal culture um, from the beginning of, of at least the Western society A hyper patriarchal culture that has had no real grace defining those men who have been in power. What do I mean by that? The the, the- the power brokers of our world, who largely dominate our society, who are the faceless names and the nameless faces behind all of the power structures in our nation in our government, whether it be politics, whether it be business, whether it be entertainment, uh, whether it be uh, sports, whether it be even religion. I mean, we can go on and on and on. I was uh, somewhat taken aback a few months ago when Bill O'Reilly had to step down from Fox News for leg- for what was apparently legitimate allegations that were raised against him. Now, here he is, is the poster boy, largely for the conservatives, and he has to go. But not only him. It was the I think one of the main owners for Fox News was also in a scandal along those lines. And then in the entertainment world, as we have Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby and in politics, uh, the Clintons and and uh, Frank Franken. Now, this this guy who is a politician. You all know him. Franken is uh, presently being um, exposed and. I'm reading some articles about what happened several years ago with George W. Bush and George H. Bush. That is the uh, George Bush, the first, the senior and him having uh, committed some some harassment and uh, inappropriate touching of women for which he is now acknowledging that if he did anything of that sort, he's sorry. Of course, you know, these guys have impunity around them. That's not the issue. If you were to go and look into The enormous, enormous, voluminous database around this, ladies and gentlemen, here's what you would discover – that there are names popping up everywhere. I've got a list in front of me of uh, 34 men accused of sexual misconduct from lewd text to rape. And, and the names are about politicians in California and across the nation and power brokers and the CEO companies, Fortune 500 companies. And these names are very common names that you all know. It was just brought out last week that Charlie Rose, now I couldn't believe it, Charlie Rose, if he isn't the a uh, perfect example of a mannequin talk show host besides uh uh what's his name Larry um uh, he, he so quiet and so uh so unassuming Charlie Rose would sit there in that stoic look and just give these few statements and just kind of let the uh, guest um just say whatever he wants to say and, and in fact for me that was quite You know, interesting because you did at least get a chance to hear what the guest had to say. But here's Charlie Rose behind the scenes who is part of a liberal media outlet. Um, And you would just think that he wouldn't do anything wrong to a fly, let alone harass women. Well, he's out and fired and all sorts of uh, retribution is taking place concerning Charlie Rose. So here's my point: two lines left open. one triple eight three six seven five three six seven five. Three lines, by the way. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Um, what's going on with the exposure of these men? Right, now this is going to be some some troubling discourse. But I want to hear from women too. I want to hear a bunch of men calling on the line, making any kind of. If you make any kind of justifications, fella, I'm just gonna cut. I'm just gonna get straight at you. I'm just gonna let you know now, because intuitively I'm very much aware that what's taking place in this trend is just simply a process of revelation that's that's going on in our country that's absolutely essential in other words you can't have a systematic practice of abuse neglect tyrannical control, despotic behavior, uh, sinful, graceless conduct, vile, wicked conduct over and over and over and over in all of these spheres of power, which everybody knows as an undercurrent and it not have a semblance of truth. I would say to you this. As I've already stated, Christ makes it very plain that uh, he deals with the hearts of men. This is the the, the conscience, and I've told you what the conscience is. It's the answering machine with the red light flashing or the green light flashing, letting you know you have a message from God, and the message is very clear. It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. And you may not want to hear the volume, but you can cut the volume down, but you can't stop that light from shining. And then there's always a day of reckoning. So what we're dealing with here today, and I want to kind of set the context before we go to the phone. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We're dealing with the topic that I think that we ought to catch up with, particularly as professing Christians, and make sure that we're on the right side of. Because inevitably, I always hear. These unwise responses largely on the part of men who are utterly uh, insensitive to, if not altogether uninformed, about the dynamics that are universal in nature around the relationship between men and women. That's what I'm saying. If you know, I don't mind you fellas calling, but you're going to have to get it right because I've thought this one through very much so. So let's just take the whole concept of what Solomon talked about in Ecclesiastes, when he says, I saw an evil under the sun, the oppressions of men uh, gave counsel to my heart. He saw how those who were the oppressors dominated those who were the oppressed, and neither one of them had a comforter, he said. There was no way out, that's what Solomon meant, that the Holy Ghost wasn't operating in the... Uh, rulers, and the Holy Spirit wasn't operating in the subordinates. And so what you have in a secular world society is a godless, graceless behavior pattern that has to be partitioned by hypocrisies. You know, you got to build firewalls around what you do in the dark. So during the daytime, everybody acts civil and gracious and, and kind. But as soon as the cameras are off, there is this switch to a beastly behavior that is almost unbelievable, if you will. But once you start doing the research, here's what you discover. It happens virtually everywhere. Yes, Lee called several weeks ago and and made a statement about it being common when we were talking about Judge Roy Moore. But common as it may be, it has to be talked about. It has to be addressed. Because you see, when, when the secular world, you guys, takes on a sin issue, This is not the time for Christians to retreat and act like, you know, ah this is no big deal. Sin is always a big deal with God. This is a time for Christians to do what the proverb says do. Consider the house of the wicked. When God's judging the house of the wicked and the first thing he does when he judges it is exposes it for what it is so that those who are of the truth can see the truth. Because, you know. You can think this is a wonderful world. You can remember all the old Hollywood movies with all of the actors who talked about this is a wonderful world, but the Bible says otherwise. It's not a wonderful world. America's not a Christian nation. We're not as clean and pure and driven clean and pure as the wind-driven snow, if you will. We're not like that. Society's jacked up, and so whenever God gives allows a crack in the semen of hypocrisy, so that the roots of the nature can start to uh, uh, sprout w- sprout twigs and and stems and begin to expose us at our core, this is a great opportunity for us to Call it like it is and begin to address it. So what I want to do as we work through our um, uh, program today is, is to address what is the takeaway from what's happening? What is the lesson that we need to get out of this as Christians? What is the response should we yield to this? And how are we going to better launch our children into this increasingly corrupt society that we are in because it's increasing in its corruption? But I do want to start with what is the takeaway Takeaway, and I got to take a breakdown, but I do want to deal with you and I, I really want to see if we can have some grown folk conversation around this because lots of people are listening as they do on the Monday edition of Lifeline and I want to make sure that some of us are ready for the dialogue. Like we aren't always ready for race relations dialogue. We, we're probably not ready for the issue of, of uh, misogyny and a domination of the patriarchal party simply because... Well, as another one of the minor prophets puts it, the wicked will exercise rule over the powerless simply because they can do it. Now, if that's not, you know, just a carte blanche impunity, which blinds you to thinking that there are no consequences to your actions. That's what's going on now today. So we're in a blessed place if we're ready to talk about it, prepare to deal with it, see it through God's eyes, give a biblical solution to it and help our children avoid these pitfalls in the culture and the world that they have that they have to go into because they've got to go into these spheres of education. Do you know sexual assault is rampant on your colleges It's rampant in the entertainment industry it's rampant in businesses, small businesses and big businesses? Why? Because like parents, so the children This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Lines are full. We're going to talk it through. If you don't come right, I'm going to drop you. (laughs) Love you. We'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gestand. All right, we'll be cleaning house if we end up at the church. We'll see. We'll see. All right, so one of the things that I'm talking about relative to this whole issue of misogyny, hyper-patriarchal domination over over, um, the uh, weaker sex, because in many cases, if we were to uh, work our way through the the hall of fame or hall of infamy now with all of the persons who are being accused of this, and in many cases, not just a few, but many cases, they are no longer seeking to deny the facts because there's too much technological capacity to, to affirm it. So basically what you're getting with a lot of men, like the guy Casey, um, <clears throat> one of the actors that I was surprised about when I discovered that uh, that he was... Uh, messing around with young teenagers, you guys know his name, um, he immediately just said, yeah, you know, I must have did something crazy when I was a teenager, and and uh, I'm sorry if I did. He knew the young man that he had, Kevin Spacey, he had uh, engaged in inappropriate behavior with. And this stuff goes on in Hollywood all the time. Again, uh, that it'll leak out by those who sort of frequent that area and then come back into some more of the sane uh, environments that we live in and then let us know, because I've talked with many several, plenty of people who have done Hollywood, who have done politics, and who have done big business, and knows that this is the behavior of people who are operating in a graceless dimension. I didn't really mention the church, but we could talk about that, too. Let me go to line one and talk with Karina and Lodi. Karina, are you there?
2: Hi, Pastor Jesse. Yes. Hi.
1: How are you doing? Are you ready to talk about my subject, or you want to talk about something else?
2: Yes. No, my question uh, actually kind of has to do with that subject. Okay. Um, Because, as you know, I work at the county hospital, um, and so I ran into, unfortunately, a few patients that, you know, were violated. Um, Were they women? uh, Yes. Okay. And the fact that the Menendez brothers was on, and then I saw... Elizabeth Smart movie documentary and the one about the girl in the box,
1: Sure. it all
2: had to do with women being violated, tortured, um, you know, just disgustingly just, you know, dehumanized. Absolutely. And when when I saw especially the girl in the box and Elizabeth Smart that really further disgust me was the fact that her kidnappers and torturers and rapers they would actually use the Bible to, um, I guess, kind of get that proof deal of approval that what they were doing was correct, mm-hmm. and the fact that they were treating them as slaves. They used, you know, biblical verses regarding slaves and, you know, forcing them to be good slaves. Um, and so I was just even further disgusted, and so I wanted to ask you for uh, your advice on how we as believers can, what words or verses could we use to console, encourage, you know, people who have been violated? Um, Right. I mean, I can't even imagine how even just the act itself can already affect your faith. And even furthermore, if someone is using the Bible to actually, you know, even to corrupt the Bible to kind of, you know, even use that as a way of a, a seal of approval of God's eyes or even try to convince you of that you know, I mean, I don't it's just really upsetting and so, right. and the fact that it even just happen everywhere, you know, it happens in people's homes, it happens, you know in the foster care system, I mean it happens everywhere
1: Right, but but just... <clears throat> sex
2: trafficking is a million million dollar business, so obviously you know, men are, you know supporting and there's a reason why there is that type of business. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately it's not even our girls and women at stake but our boys as well. Right. Um, and so it is a very you know, alarming. And the statistics are kind of pretty high. I think they say every Six out of ten girls have been somehow molested or physically violated.
1: And just a little less than half of that for the boys. We've been talking about this for years, ever since we started our women's ministries at Grace. Uh, Anyone who wants to go back to the archives of our our GBC women's theology classes will know that we have shaped and addressed um, these struggles in our series. Because this is kind of the stigma that women have had ever since the fall um, Satan utilized the scriptures, twisting the scriptures, distorting the scriptures, as these wicked men do in Genesis chapter three, verses one, two and three, actually verses one and two, to distort the authority of God and justify usurpation of God's authority, both in himself over mankind and, and mankind over God. So twisting of the scriptures has its roots, as you learned on Sunday, in the one who of whom Jesus said there is absolutely no truth in him at all. And that is the devil. He is a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So men and women who utilize the scriptures by taking the scriptures and torturing them, distorting them, uh, twisting them uh, for their own means and aggrandizement simply demonstrate who they belong to. So we have to simply acquiesce to the fact that God's own very words can be taken by men and misinterpreted, taken out of context and applied for their own advancement. Uh, But it's very clear that Jesus says in John chapter 10, uh, around Verse 35, the scriptures cannot be broken. 34 or 35, the scriptures cannot be broken. That is, they cannot be taken out of context, employed for one's own greedy aggrandizement, uh, and and yet be uh, asserted as the truth and word of God. So that's the first thing I say. If I would run across someone who was afflicted by or abused by someone who would argue scripture, as was the case for the slave uh, owners who did such things to uh, the slaves um, uh, that were brought... To Amer- to the Americas um, in the uh, f- uh, 14th and 15th century, uh, under the assumption of of authority and wanting to bring uh, the the Africans into uh, bondage to Christianity at force, <clears throat> using the same arguments uh, and, and, and 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 fallacious interpretations of scripture as Genesis chapter nine, the curse on Ham being black people being slaves. All of those are twisted hyper uh 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 superiorist uh interpretations of scripture and we've already dealt with that at large as well so what i would say to the person who is struggling with how is it that my uh abusers could use any holy book or any righteous statement or any uh righteous principle as a grounds for uh exercising uh abusive uh privileges um or um acts against one um, um, it's simply because there is a devil and the devil is a liar from the beginning and he never abode in the truth John 8:44 uh, secondly the way to respond to that loved one or that person that you're caring about in that in that way is to let them know that God very clearly lays out that vengeance is his he will repay there's a day in which there is a reckoning for all forms of evil that's again given to us in Romans chapter 12 around verses 16 and following vengeance is is mine; I will repay it comes out of the Old Testament not hard to find at all and then again the Bible is very clear that the wages of sin is death Romans 6 23 Hebrews 9 27 again there's a day appointed um, uh, where men will be judged by god and so what we do is we let them know that people will not get away with it and sometimes they won't get away with it in this life but they certainly won't get away with it in the life to come here's a here's a point around that karina before i go um when people are um experiencing these kinds of uh, travesties and injustices this is really a great time for the christian to not get on his high horse of, of, of biblical knowledge, but, but take the servant status that you have been learning at Grace here for the last several weeks of, of washing people's feet. And letting them know that there is a God because, you know, the unbeliever, uh, the agnostic, the atheist will they will carp at and laugh and mock that there is no God while they're in in good shape. But as soon as they are in trouble, trauma, traumatized, difficulty, vulnerable, made to be the weaker vessel uh, in danger of loss of life and reputation, then God becomes very appealing. And in reality, uh, God is there for people who are broken, and if an individual is broken through these kind of events, then we bring the message of uh, of of healing, the message of redemption, the message of recovery, the message of justification and and vindication for all yeah. unrighteousness to them, so that they might see their need of Christ through it. So, does that help you a little bit?
2: You know, definitely. But you know, it's just kind of hard when you know someone has endured something like that to kind of. You know, really find the words to really console them, other than just say you're sorry. But
1: and then and then it's, no, it's a little bit more. So I want you to get a hold. I do have to take a break though because we're overdue. There's a little bit more, and and really going back to some fundamentals, recognizing the deep emotion, emotional woundedness. The first thing I would say to them, and they may not get it, is I- I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a presupposition that there is a higher power that can help them when obviously the court system and other things have let them down. I'm praying for them. And then I would say, um, um, you know, justice will prevail. And if I can demonstrate that in society by justice prevailing in other cases, I would do that for them as well. But then I would certainly let them know that the Bible says vengeance is mine. I will repay. There is a God who will deal with that kind of evil and disobedience that happened to you or anyone else. Uh, As a matter of fact, because we're all created in the image of God and God will take vengeance on all forms of evil. And even though that person may not believe in God or know God, that becomes a kind of comfort that at one time or another, if they're in the right space and in the right position, they'll receive it. So don't feel inadequate with sharing those kind of biblical texts because God knows how to take his word and make it relevant to their life, no matter how despairing they are at the moment. Thanks, Katrina, for the call. Karina, sorry. Thanks, Karina, for the call. I've got to take a hard break. Way overdue. One line open, one we will be right back. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. And we're back to Time 540 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are talking about the escal- escalating and um, sort of relentless exposure of uh, misogynistic behavior on the part of men, Uh, abuse and sexual abuse and disgraceful behavior relative to uh, interactions between male species and their female counterparts, particularly in contexts where they have authority and they have power and they have uh, dominion, although, as uh, my previous caller, Karina, had plainly said, this happens at the lowest levels of society, too, which means it's intrinsic to the fallen nature uh human beings will um will abuse one another if grace does not prevail and what i stated in the opening monologue is that when you um are able to list uh person after person after person after person after person almost ad infinitum uh in in the world of who's who uh, and and recognize that this is a major problem with regards to men taking an opportunity in a context where they are where they are the Uh, a star of the hour, if you will, uh, controlling the power, whether in politics um, or in media, and some would even say in religion, um, that that there is a place and space in many religious circles where this kind of uh, uh, abuse uh, takes place. I, I don't know it personally because I don't Dwell in our frequent, our traffic and cultures where uh, the church does not operate out of a a high level of um, of ethics and morals when it comes to the relationship between men and women. We just don't allow that kind of atmosphere to take place in the communities that I hang out with. It's just abominable to me that we would um, allow a loose environment in the church where uh, the the kind of infamy that you and I would recognize takes place in your bar clubs and. um, uh, just would even be tolerated. But apparently it is in in many churches. But I do know that at present what's happening prophetically and providentially is that God is allowing these things to come to the surface that we might begin to deal with it. And if you as a man are feeling a bit uncomfortable about right now the growing trends of women uh, rising up and speaking out and and, and yielding forth uh, affirmation, to their sisters who are being um, abused uh, and and, and fondled and and handled uh, just shamefully on the part of men, then we need to be careful, don't we, men? We need to be thinking through how we look at a woman, because the Word of God very clearly tells us how we should be looking at women, how we should be speaking to women, how we should be addressing them, etc., we ought to be we ought to be careful uh, not to find ourselves lowering the standard among ourselves and so opening the door for allegations to be justly hurled at us because we are playing the field if you will let me go to line number three and talk with James from the Bay James has been a while how you doing my brother? how
3: you doing sir
1: Good good what's your thoughts questions or comments on our topic?
3: Okay, I will. No, no, I'm just uh, sitting here listening to all what's going on. I got to get back out there and see, but I just kind of want to chime in on mm-hmm. what's been going on. We know for a long time what's done at the top is done on the bottom in masses, and I had to remind the sister who, I guess, she you was know, walking by as I walked by. She gasped because she was looking at, you know, at her phone at when one of the I don't, they come out so often now. I don't know which one it was about the allegations of. Uh, uh, sexual misconduct, let's just put it, put it that way.
1: Right. And
3: I had to remind her that that remember remember where you live. We probably live in the most sexually immoral country on the planet. And, you know, once we took, you know, the sacredness of, marriage, of sex outside the marriage, it basically left it open for anything. It's like all of a sudden now the fornicators are pointing the fingers at the adulterers. Like, who who, who can point the finger at anybody when well, we're all in this situation together? We have to remember, you know, with believers, it starts with us. I mean, you didn't bring up, okay, you did mention the Church, it, 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 and the Church doesn't get a pass on us. You know, we, we have to understand what times we're living in. And if we don't do it God's way, then the only thing left is what we see happening out there, whether it be in... Uh, mainstream America, whether it be in politics, government, you see it I mean the entertainment the sports you name it with, with, you may use the term before exposed that's the only thing that I think what's happening right now as guess the only thing difference is is it it is exposed before you have to go through uh a process to you know talk about this sort of thing to, you know to uh to, you know, to, to confront somebody. Now you just, you put it out on media, put it out on social media. And, you know, there, there's nowhere to hide anymore. And now the response is to the people being accused, they know that if they just basically own up to it, it goes away a lot easier just, as opposed to saying, as opposed to denying it. Absolutely. And, I mean, you know, it goes away. But then the other hand is I don't think a person should be thrown under the bus on an allegation or an accusation alone. I think it needs to be, you know, a person has to have their day. If a person backs away and says, responds and says, well, I didn't do this. You know, I want my day. Then okay. But you know, a lot of people are backpilling or they just just accepting the fact that okay, I get it. I'm going to roll over, you know, uh, I'm a fall on the, I'm a fall on the sword. Okay. I did it. Okay. You know, let's move on. But that's still not, addressing the issue that we have, you know, as a nation, as a people, that we're we're, we're morally and sexually corrupt, and we, and we have to do something about it.
1: Right. Well, here's the way I—this I, I, is my take on it, as I have regarded what you, what you said, and a lot of what you said makes total sense. Uh, when we talk about an issue being brought to the forefront, we have to consider providence. And when we consider providence, what we are considering is that the move of god to allow a thing to begin to be brought to the social awareness and consciousness of a society is the beginnings <clears throat> of addressing a thing from the standpoint of our uh accountability our uh moral and ethical responsibility and and the searching of every man's heart relative to the deed i'll use the example <clears throat> of judges chapter 19 where the uh, where the Levite had a concubine whom he retrieved from uh, a very precarious scenario, and as he was headed home, he went into one of the cities of Belial. this judges nineteen corresponds to Genesis nineteen with the Sodom and Gomorrah event and um and the 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 homosexual community come running up on the door to beat the door down for uh, for the Levite because they wanted some strange flesh, and uh, the Levite ended up giving. His uh, concubine who had been playing the whore all along to them and and they abused her all night long and she barely made it to the threshold of the door uh, uh, Judges 19 says and what the Levite did was cut her up in 12 pieces and sent her down the river. It became a type of uh, a news blast, a type of Facebooking and texting and and emailing and all of your uh, news media outlet resources by which every one of the Tribes had to now face, James, what was being in the dark, as you were stating when it's done in the dark and you can't quickly bring it to the light on a large level. Then men have a tendency to continue to prevail in it, as Solomon said, uh, when evil is not executed speedily. On an evil work, then it's wholly set in the hearts of the sons of men to do evil. But when God uh, allows for it to be put on blast, as it is now, it is important that we take the opportunity as a Christian culture, particularly if we have the voice to dialogue about it, to address it and to make sure that we uh, cover the salient areas of the issue. One, I agree with you. Yes, it goes on in the high places and in the low places. That's true. We will acknowledge that. It's not exclusive to the power brokers as the leaders, so are the people. As the parents, so are the children. As the preachers, so are the parishioners, if you will. We got that. But the thing that we want to also make sure that we do is take the opportunity to bring to bear the full range of scriptural truth so that we can all search our hearts, make sure that we know how close in proximity we are to bad behavior and then begin to draw back from it ourselves, since God has, in a blessed way, allowed the subject to be brought up in a more general and a social sense instead of on a personal sense. And then, as we make our changes in the church our, on an individual level as believers, we begin to examine ourselves within the framework of the church. As I had stated before, I picture call up uh, within the framework of the church. We have to make sure that we are not adopting or endorsing an atmosphere of pornea, pornography, um, of vile, sexual, solicitous uh, uh, opportunities where women are not dressing appropriately and men are not responding appropriately. Unfortunately, there are churches like that. And if the church does not establish an atmosphere of of a biblical, grace-oriented holiness— Biblical, grace oriented holiness, where there's a clear line drawn between uh, accepting people for who they are, but at the same time letting them know they have enough ability, capacity to think through how they're going to behave within the framework of the house of God. Where that's done, then God will be more than gracious to grow us up so that we behave more appropriately and become attractive to the world. The other area in which I am stating this, and then I've got to take a break as well, uh, James, is that uh, largely when I deal with public social issues like this, I am thinking about my grandkids or my daughters, particularly in this case, my daughters. I'm thinking about my last one who is graduating this year. And she will either go into the military or she'll go straight into college. <clears throat> either atmosphere, the military or college. I have to help her prepare for the overt, aggressive, or subtle, surreptitious atmosphere where she might be um, misrepresented, mishandled, groped, uh, uh, assaulted, uh, suggested, because it happens in the military, it happens in college. And so they have to know that these things will occur and how to appropriately respond to it. Because this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to catch the the young ones who don't know how to respond and, and and mess their heads up. And this frequently is the reason why by women do not come forward so quickly is because they are not armed with a methodology and a preparation to address it with a major no, you are not right, and I'm going to the authorities because this cannot happen to me or anyone else. Without them being prepared along these lines, this is how this thing gets away with over and over and over and over again. And sadly to say, it also happens within the home, within the family, when you have blended families. The high possibility of the stepdad or the stepmom abusing the stepchildren is enormous so we've got problems and we've got to talk about it i've got to take a break i'll be right back you're listening to the monday edition of lifeline two lines open one triple eight three six seven five three two nine and now back to lifeline with jesse Gistand. And we're back to Time 555 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We are speaking about some of the most uh, prevalent news articles taking place uh, in the media around sexual harassment, misconduct, lewd behavior on the part of men towards women uh, in high places all the way down to your lowest levels. And the reason for which we are discussing these is because I want to get out in front of it as a, a Christian and help us have a conversation around it that doesn't do what often uncomfortable topics do for Christians who are not prepared to have the dialogue about it. And that is we end up running into walls, into ditches, uh, running into pitfalls and, and potholes because we don't know how to navigate uh, the the sensitivities of this particular topic Uh, topic uh, matter. This subject is ubiquitous. This subject is worldwide. James from the Bay said that we probably are the most perverse nation in the world around it. um, I would would want to tend to agree, although I don't necessarily want to speak as if I know the factual statistics of America. What I do know is that Europe and America— are tied to the hips just as much as Jerusalem and uh, Judah was in Ezekiel chapter 16, where God called them perverse as well because of their excessive uh, idolatrous and fornicating ways. And I think we bear witness to that in our nation. But what I am doing is wanting to talk about it. one And I do want to hear from more women, not just men, around this topic. Because the thing that's been fascinating for many of the talk show hosts who have taken up this topic is that women are now starting to come out and address these matters when they haven't in the past. And I think the reason they haven't in the past is because of exactly how powerful <clears throat> that kind of approach and sexual violation and pain of uh, the process can be inhibiting. It can be stifling. It can, it can mute the woman because of confusion, because of the struggle of all the emotional uh, uh, psychological factors that go into why did that happen? When did it happen? Who did it? And and what the fallout was behind it? Uh, Certainly, it's important for us to be able to talk about it as men and women of God in an open forum context like this, and make sure that we are being therapeutic. That's why I'm doing it. So I'd love to hear from you, sisters. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I do know, again, that there will be lots of women out there, as my uh, beautiful young sister Karina had given the statistics: uh, six out of ten. Uh, women have been molested. It's probably higher than that. I think it's something more like eight out of 10. And for the boys or the young men, it's something like six out of 10 uh, have also been molested. This is just what happens when mankind operating out of a predatorial uh, level of, of influence and control uh, does not have his sexual mores reined in by uh, sound principles uh, and, and, and saving grace Uh, So he does those things and people are affected all around the world. But this is a great time for our sisters to also dialogue about this in, in a substantive way, because here's the dirty little secret. Either it happened to you or it happened to someone you know. And this is true. And if it happened to someone you know, and you know explicitly that it happened and you have not even to this point chimed in as a lot of the sisters are doing in, in, in social media and saying, I agree, I agreed that these things occurred, it happened to me, or I saw it with a girlfriend. See, your job is to affirm when it happens, even if you're too scared or troubled by uh, your voice being known. It's important. Why? Because when a sister goes through these t- types of things, and I know men do too, but we're talking about women today. When a sister goes through these types of things, it really does jack their head up. And the only thing that begins to help is to let them know that they are normal, even if they are dysfunctional as a consequence of being affected by a predator like that. They are normal, that they aren't by themselves, that there are many women that are going through it. The next level that would be more therapeutic and healing than that is to have a space or a place where the sisters can talk about it and get it on the table. No wonder our women are angry. No wonder no wonder our women are mean. <laughs> no wonder our, men, our women are confused and resentful and, and operating out of levels of disappointment and anxiety and, and, and depression. No wonder not only are they dealing with the hormonal stuff for which my sisters know I call them crazy and they understand what that means because they affirm it as well. But then to have to deal with all of the hormonal stuff of being a woman to be pressed upon and dominated by and and, and, and abused by a, a, a monstrous male in the context of what we're talking about and then have no outlet. Uh, it makes it difficult for women to come into full maturity and blossom in their calling in a healthy way. Would you not agree? All right, let me quickly clear the lines. Let me go to line number uh, four and see if, I, if Jeff got something sensible to say about it. Jeff from San Carlos, what's your question or comment or observation about what we're talking about?
4: Yeah, I went to the more secular and social side of the family, so I kind of knew what I was going to be dealing with. And I kind of told myself, I ain't getting into nothing. I told, hey, no religion or politics. I'm just here. Fine. Then all of a sudden, hey, let's celebrate religion, how it messed up this country. And it's like, wait. And all of a sudden it starts. Then I have to start every subject you're talking about. I had to deal with, explain myself in a way where, you know, I have to tread lightly on this. Because I wasn't the most moral guy, and it wasn't that long ago, so I can sit here and explain I don't agree with this. But none of you ever talk about abortion. Well, that's different. I, no, no, you got to look at everything. You can't just say this is immoral and this is it's hypocritical. And well, that's just your I had to explain my faith. You know, I go, you guys are talking about religion. What I believe ain't a religion. What are you talking? And then I gotta explain all this. knowing one ain't gonna believe it. And it's just, just you're not even making sense. Now what sense have to do with it? You know that's what faith is. Anybody could be moral, but believing something you can't see—that's faith. So you know you could be an atheist and be, be moral. And I could sit and say I've done some things that I ain't real proud of. And it's like, Jeff, why do you worry about this? You probably ain't going to be here that long. And I go, yeah, that's the right. I don't have a family. I'm the only one who doesn't. But I worry about the future for our future generations. And you guys got families. And you're the guy. And I, you know, I hear the kids going, oh, you're a white supremacist. And the littlest one goes, white people have never experienced racism. I go, Excuse me, I'm a victim, and i got to explain to this little one things that I had to experience. It's like, boy, this is crazy. And then finally I just said to this guy, I go, okay, debate's over. You can pay me. He goes, or what? And he goes, I charge for my debates. He goes, yeah, but I won. I said, no, won. Jeff,
1: <laughs> yeah. thanks for the call, brother. Blessings to you. Uh, Blessings. Let me go to line one and talk with uh, P. From line one, P-E-E-R, P-R from line one, we'll go with that. Hi, P-R.
5: Hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you?
1: I'm great. You want to talk about my subject?
5: Yes, right. and I'm driving. So my call may drop. I wanted to uh, have you address the topic and how this affects what's happening in our churches mm-hmm. with our pastors who are doing the same type of behavior.
1: Right. Um, let's, we would have to establish a context or all we're doing is making an assertion. And I was waiting for a call that may want to go there from the standpoint of experience. And, uh, we, we may be able to do that. Um, because again, uh, one of our callers earlier, James said, you know, um, we can't just simply be, uh, commenting on what's going out there in the secular context when, in all likelihood, and I'm, I'm certainly sure, sure it's true, PR, that it's happening also in our churches. And if it's, is, then a sister ought to call in or a brother ought to call in and say, hey, just like it's happening in the secular context, it's also happening in the church, and let's talk about it. I'd be more than glad to talk about uh, why these things happen and, and and what we need to do to make sure that they stop happening, as is taking place in the secular context where they're speaking out, social media is loud about it. The uh, Your media outlets have to talk about it because once you get an avalanche of a person's rising up saying, hey, there's something wrong, there's evil taking place, there's sin taking place. They can't totally ignore it without uh, being uh, legitimately charged with dereliction of duty. So it would be the case for the church if we sit back and kind of either, you know, blow this off as if it's well because it's happening in the secular world is not happening in the church is not our business nothing can be further from the truth I'm sure you know this it's probably as systemic in the church as well but in a lot of time in a lot of ways and a lot of times the church does not know how to just address a thing that's factually present in the church as well so do you know of a scenario that uh, we might use as a premise or do we want to let our listeners call in and help us uh, establish a context in which to talk about it from the standpoint of the church
5: well I have um, personal experience as well as also have um, women in the church that come to me in regards to this particular experience right. the unbalance and the unequal of power and how Churches oftentimes um, dispel the women out of the church or make it as if it was the woman's fault, Right. Um, especially when you're dealing with new Christians and people who are coming into the faith, and they're looking to the pastor as being their leader, right. and the pastor takes advantage of that position and that role. Um, And so I do know of a ministry that was once in existence called Tamar Ministry out of Danville. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're still in um, business mm-hmm. or in ministry, rather, but I would like to have, um, if you know of any particular ministries that are dealing with women who have been sexually molested or um um, even raped by their pastors or even being pulled into that type of a relationship, um, any um, resources, I would truly appreciate.
1: Absolutely. That. Do you listen to the program freq- frequently? Yes, sir. Okay, very good. Uh, what's that? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I've been at your women's ministry. Okay, excellent. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a break now, um, and, and I'm sure somebody's going to call in and, uh, and and help further advance this proposition, and then we'll talk about it. I will speak to what I believe um, should be the appropriate response to that kind of behavior, that atmosphere that you're talking about, and then we'll do what we can to um, discover the ministries that are speaking specifically to these kinds of criminal uh, practices that have been... Um, uh, levied against our sisters. Uh, thank you for the call, my dear sister, and the Lord bless you deeply and profoundly and extensively uh, around these areas because um, it's deep, it's deep, 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 and it's extremely painful. Uh, we're going to take a break. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. You heard our dear sister P R P E rather <laughs> calling in and chiming in on that subject. We're going to talk about that when we come back. Because, of course, you know, I know something about it, being in the pastorate. Um, It's a shameful thing when it does occur. Um, And we may be able to do some ministry here in a moment. We'll be right back.